Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are glad to be here. I'm here joined by my beautiful, esteemed, humble pastor brother, John Gibson, hailing from Ohio. And I'm Rob Gibson, psychologist from Colorado. And we are, uh, you're joining us today, again, two brothers from different perspectives, I've studied a lot about what happens in the mind. John has spent his career, his life, engaging in matters of the heart. But we we come together, right? Because we we engage with both. Uh, and so you're here to join us to talk about matters of the head and the heart, to see what what we can find there, truths, um, guides to better living, um, any any number of things we've we discovered there. So you've been listening to us for a while. We're glad you're back. If this is your first time, welcome. Hopefully uh, you stay with us. And, and uh, as always, we appreciate your listen. Uh, would love to have you interact with us. Staring into the sun podcast at gmail.com. I said it wrong last episode. So if you send an email, it didn't get to us. So staring into the sun podcast at gmail, or you can communicate with us on our socials. Just follow us on Facebook or Instagram or your uh, favorite podcasting app. So thanks for being here. John, good to see you, brother. Yeah, you too. I'm a little salty because you you took my big moment where I could tell people who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you just introduced me. But I do like that you led with beautiful. That makes me feel yes. beautiful. Yes. Another get around to lo- <laughs> right. If we, we get go. around to loading loading videos, you'll get to oh, see Oh, you his, will see me right here. We, I'm glad you brought that up because we are going to do a YouTube page for those of you who'd like to see our beautiful visages. Is that a word? Can I say visages? <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling our, our high quality is my visages. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we are going to YouTube this sucker and let you kind of see. So we're going to wave. Hello. I am. Yeah. This is John, the That's bald, right. beautiful one. And that over there. I've, I've got all my hair. Because Rob yes. has, I don't know how that happened genetically, but yeah. are you losing any? You don't look like you're losing any. No, man. It's Bart knocker. It's, it's, I've uh, got it all. Is Becca losing her hair? We have a sister. <laughs> she's in the middle. I don't think she's losing her hair either. Did you just say virility? Yes. Oh my gosh. We got the V's today. Visages <laughs> and virility. We're hopefully not going to talk about either of those anymore. <laughs> but once you launch us in, Robbo, what are we talking about today? A little lighter. Yeah. maybe i don't know yeah well yeah. we we bounce around in topics if you stay with us we'll we'll hit on some practical matters of psychology we'll dig into a scriptural reference like we did last episode or we'll dig into just something pop culture or something we happen to read be reading and so that's what's on the docket for today we're going to talk about a text from uh, one of my favorite and i think yours as well oh yes absolutely favorite authors uh, his <clears throat> name is brandon sanderson uh he is a, a fantastic uh, fantasy fiction writer. Interestingly enough, I got exposed to him when I was uh, doing my internship at Brigham Young University, uh, which is a uh, uh, university of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, he teaches there briefly, but he primarily writes, and he's epic writer. And his epic series called Way of Kings um, digs into uh, philosophy, what it means to be a person, mental illness, uh, courage, personal transformation. It is just 
a fantastic text. Yeah, he's so, written so many great things. I, I was oh, first connected to him because he he finished up one of my favorite fantasy series of all time, The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan, yes. Who passed away, and Brandon Sanderson came and finished the this, I mean, gigantic work of fiction. Um, and he put, put that Wheel of Time series on par with Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, things to that effect. But um, yeah, George R. R. Martin comes to mind too in terms of these epic fantasy authors who kind of sit in the place of Brandon Sanderson. But yeah, this this quote you sent me, I, I hadn't, I forgot about it. Kind of, I mean, the book is just ginormous. So unless yeah. you you write these down or take pictures of them, but man, you're, I was reading it and thinking, oh, that's like deep. There's so much good stuff there. Um, so if you haven't read The Way of Kings, go pick it up, read it, Brandon Sanderson. We're giving him a shameless plug here. Maybe we get old Brandon on our podcast someday. <laughs> let, me get, let me get a few more clicks. Why don't you all click Wait. a little bit so we can get some famous people up in here. <laughs> that would be actually pretty incredible. Yeah. All right. So uh, so the context of this is um, – I won't share too much about the context. I want to get into it. But essentially, uh, one of the main characters is um, – He's engaged in this historical text, this ancient text. They, he li- uh, they live in like a warring culture time, where it's basically kind of Darwinian, uh, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, you 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 make it, you live, you survive. That's the 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 prime target. And so it's a warring culture. And this uh, main character has connected with this ancient literature that speaks of another way. And so he's he's quoting here from this ancient text, and I'll, we're gonna we're gonna do two different sections of it. I'll read the first one, and we'll talk about it, and then I'll read the second one, and we'll talk about it. Uh, so this is actually from page one thousand twenty um, from the Way of Kings, and it says, "Here he goes. Yes, I could have traveled quickly, but all men have the same ultimate destination. Whether we find our end in a, hall- a hallowed sepulcher or a pauper's ditch." All save the heralds themselves must dine with the night watcher, must die. And so, does the destination matter, or is it the path we take? I declare that no accomplishment has substance nearly as great as the road used to achieve it. We are not creatures of destinations. It is the journey that shapes us. Our calloused feet, our backs strong from carrying the weight of our travels, our eyes open with the fresh delight of experiences lived, In the end, I must proclaim that no good can be achieved of false means, for the substance of our existence is not in the achievement, but in the method. Ooh, that's good, man. (laughs) It reminds me of the oft-quoted, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey kind of deal, you know. And um, yeah, there's so much good stuff there. I I, I would agree with him. but we are a destination sort of people in our, if we're going to talk about it in our pop culture world and then just in our, our general kind of way of living. I think a, a lot of us tend to be destination focused rather than uh, journey focused. Uh, I know that just specifically true in, in a spiritual world that I live in all the time. And I, I would be curious to hear what you have to say about that too, just in psychology. But as humans, I think it's just easier for us. It's kind of like the easy button deal. You know, we, we would rather just arrive at places or, or receive 
certain things or, you know, kind of have moments. Um, we've, we even distill things down to those destinations or achievements, I think, just to make it easier. I know in, in faith journey, we, we've kind of quantified this whole journey of knowing God and having salvation or whatever it means to go to heaven or whatever you uh, spiritually kind of pursuing your own life. But we've, we've quantified that into the Christian faith as in say these 10 words, the sinner's prayer, and you will receive heaven. You know, so we've kind of shifted the focus from this, this journey of discipleship or knowing God down to say this prayer and you won't die and go to hell. You'll go to heaven kind of thing. Um, for me, that's kind of quantifies a little bit what he's talking about here, the destination and the journey. When I was even thinking, you know, for, I mean, up until like modernization, um, you know, the industrial revolution, uh, capitalism, like the, the destin, the journey was always required for the destination, like with modern technology and resource access, like we've majorly closed the gap between destination, uh, and my current position, right? Like, let's say for example, like, uh, my need for dinner, Right. Like the, the gap between me and that destination is literally it could be like my finger tapping on my phone. And then it comes, yeah, it comes <laughs> it comes to me. There's literally no journey required for a lot of things that we need. Amazon would be another example of this. It, it's removed the journey necessary even to go to a store to, to look at things that we've we've so closed the gap between our deficits, our needs, and then the, you know, the accomplishment of what we need to do that, the people required on that journey to help us get to that. Like we've, we've really closed the gap in, you know, in the span of several hundred years, which is not, that is very new. I mean, you could argue that that's not a bad thing either. You know, I mean, we enjoy the, the fruits of, you know, need acquisition. Right. So when I'm hungry, I order something there or, you know, or when I need bread, I go to Kroger and they have it in stock, you know, like from somewhere magically, you know, or fruit or veggies or. Agreed. And for most of human history, we were starving. So I mean, (laughs) (laughs) if you're watching YouTube right now, you will notice that obviously that is not the case. Pastor John is not starving. (laughs) Hey, Hey now. <laughs> Rob is voluntarily starving, apparently. No, He's always been the little one. We, we talked about genetics oh, earlier with our hair, but yeah, I won't blame all that on your eating habits. But <laughs> no, fair point, right? There there's been a lot of a lot of benefits from that. But I I thinking of um how perhaps that mindset has impacted um the psychotherapeutic enterprise. Um there's definitely like uh take um uh, for instance benzodiazepines for anxiety, right? Um this was a medication that was very prominent in the nineties, probably two thousands, um, for treating anxiety and it worked really well. And the but the challenge with it has been in addition to like some factors of like long-term use can correspond with, um, and long-term use, I mean, like over decades can correspond with memory problems, similar to dementia, things like that. So there's problems, but the other philosophical problem is, is that it removes, it removes the journey for the person between my anxious state now and the destination of feeling relieved. 
Um, and there's a lot of situations where that's necessary. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not making a broad statement that they're bad. I'm just saying there is an element where if you remove psychotherapy, for example, and the need for understanding why does my anxiety exist, where maybe do I perhaps need to grow, um, where have I perhaps been hurt or traumatized that I need care, um, if you have, you know, a psychotropic medication or alcohol or uh, heroin or something that that gets you immediately to the destination, which is I feel relief, I feel pleasure, I feel calm and ease, whatever that is. Um, there's definitely circumstances where, when we circumvent the journey, um, it's it's it has ma- like major secondary consequences for us, and that's in that text, right? Um, he he says, you know it it really matters the means by which we get to our destination. Yeah, we learn stuff there, you know, and, and it's hard. I think that's what kind of keeps us from it sometimes is um, we, we have a lack of, um, like, a desire to invest what's needed to accomplish what we hope to experience. Uh, I know I see that in a lot of times in our faith journeys. Again, like I talked about, we kind of quantify we, what – what it means to receive something from God. You know, we have bad stuff going on in our life and we come to church and say, and we pray about it and say, Lord, take these bad things away. Or, you know, we get, we don't got any money. Lord, give me some money, you know, or Lord, my relationships are just, you know, crappy, uh, fix my relationships or fix the people. You know, we, we want, we want the easy button. Um, but there's, there's something to say about, um, like you, you said, uh, in with the anxiety example of doing the work of discovering, and journeying through that, you know, the apostle Paul talks about this to the Corinthian church. He's, he talks about that in, in this world, we face sufferings of many kinds. And when we persevere through those things, it produces character and character leads us to a place of hope. And I think there's something valuable in um, that. And we talk about that, the journey, but there's something valuable in going through the work of whatever you're facing in life. And sometimes it's even going through the, the discomfort and the pain that's involved in turmoil and tension and trial that shapes you and forms you into a better, more whole person. Uh, and I'm sure all, you know, your examples of therapy, uh, if, if you just, if we over medicate and then you never do the work of finding out why you're anxious, you'll never really truly be free. It's kind of an art, artificial freedom that we, we would experience or a person would experience. And sometimes medication gets in the way of that. Sometimes, um, you know, poor theological teaching gets in the way with that in, in church, you know? Yeah. How? Well, I think, you know, the health, health and wealth gospels out there for a long time in the evangelical world. And, and this could be a topic for a whole nother, uh, podcast episode. Um, but these messages that are present in scripture, that if we are in relationship with God, we receive blessing, right? If I'm right with God, then good things happen to my life. You know, I got, and we quantify that in our modern world as we're blessed, you know, I got a house and we got food and we, we got money and our health is good. And, you know, and if we're in good relationship with God and something goes wrong in our life, we can pray and he will fix it, you know, give us the desires of our hearts. And, um, but yet we miss all the places where it says in this life, you're going to face suffering of many kinds. You know, you're going to, you're going to face trials and tests and, and even maybe possibly to the point of your own death, but in relationship with God, going through those things, it can produce fruit in your life that is far better than anything, you know, that you would have gone through. The work you had gone through is, is not 
anything in comparison to what God would do as he forms and shapes you in the midst of those tensions and trials. So I think we've done a disservice to a lot of people in the church, um, you know, and in church world by proclaiming God as kind of the fix all easy button. And the reason your life is hard is because you're not right with God. Well, people like come face to face with the reality you come and and I've seen this over and over again. I've experienced it in my own life. You know, the times I'm closest to God aren't always equal to the times when life is the best and easiest for me. <laughs> I mean, I just did a funeral for a family last week. They're following Jesus, you know, and her mom died of COVID. Some people would say, and and again, this is another topic for another day, but some people even say that if you're in right relationship with God, that stuff won't happen to you. So what happens when your mom gets COVID and dies and you're walking with God? Shouldn't that mean that that shouldn't happen? Shouldn't that mean that God would have intervened and healed her mom? Mm. No, I mean, they were going through it. The trial, the test, the pain, suffering. Um, but there's something about going through those things with people, with loved ones, uh, that does something inside of us that can shape us if we see it from the right perspective. And maybe we should talk about that a little bit too, is how is seeing the, sometimes we see the journey as something we just dread and hate going through rather than the thing that could shape us and make us better people. Yeah. I want to share a personal story and then I got a question for you based off of what you just said. Um, so, uh, when you were sharing that, I was thinking about, you know, one of the, one of the elements of training, in psychotherapy is the importance of uh, developing like competence and skill and working with people from different cultures, different races, different backgrounds, different religious perspectives. <clears throat> and, you know, it's really important part of training, but I've found that in my own personal development and being better at doing, doing what I do and being competent and helping people that are different than me, th- there are several ways to get there. One of the ways to get there is, you know, I read a book that tells me the things I'm supposed to say um, or the ways I'm supposed to see something. And then I adopt those statements. And then therefore, I assume that I'm competent when I'm actually perhaps not, because there's a really big difference between my internal sentiments and the way my behavior plays out. Right. And that that's often really tough for us as people because we think, oh, my my heart was in the right place. Therefore, this and it's like, well, wait a minute, my heart could be in the right place. But if the way I behaved spoke the opposite or caused the opposite, then I've, I need to ask myself some real questions. And then, so the story I would share is, uh, you know, when I was um, earlier in my life before I had children, um, my, uh, my wife and I uh, went on a trip overseas and spent time in East Asia. Um, we were in Nepal and um, we were in India. And th- there's something about I- immersive journey where you get to know people, you live with people that are different than you, that speak a different language than you, that eat different foods than you, that worship a different God than you, that wrestle with life issues that are different than yours. There's something about going on a journey. It, for me, the most transformative experiences I've had in being able to better understand how do I help people different than me have been in the course of a journey like that. Not necessarily when reading, you know, an author that's telling me, you know, theoretical concepts about something, not to say that those aren't useful, but my journey was vitally important for me to understand concepts about what it means to be humble, 
what it means to see another person as inherently valuable, even though my brain might tell me they look different than you or they behave different than you. Therefore, maybe they're bad and you're good, right? The tribal aspect of our brain might cause me to do that. But my experiences, my journey has led to my transformation. Um, and yeah, I, I think if the, those types of experiences speak to the, what this text is saying, that it, the journey and how you get to the place you're at really matters because it speaks to whether there's something actually really there, if there's really substance or not. Yeah, the journey leads to your transformation. I'll, I, I'll steal that someday because <laughs> it's true, you know, and I think in the midst, when you start to see that, well, I was sharing that about perspective, when you start to see mm-hmm. uh, uh, the revelation that how important that journey is, and it is, in fact, the destination, you know, <laughs> it, you, you really start to learn the value of walking and um, kind of learning through life experience rather than always looking for where you need to arrive, you know. Um, it kind of can be a, a, a downward spiral and we're always looking for the next place or the next place thing we have to achieve or, mm-hmm. you know, the next place we need to arrive. We miss out on what's right in front of us that really are the things that shape us the mo- or have the, the best chance to shape us. You know? mm. And so I had a question for you when you were sharing, you know, that if it, when you were talking about um, prosperity, gospel and things like that, um, in that you know, journey is a part of transformation. And um, so like, kind of two questions there I, I would love to hear from you. The first one is, is, it, you know, how does that bear out in, you know, in, you know, scriptural tradition? You know, are, are there places where, you know, I think of the Israelites perhaps where, you know, this is a part of their transformation as a people. But then I, I'd be curious to hear, you know, so d- a question I wrestle with or I have patients who wrestle with is, so does that mean that uh, that God, that it's messy. It's like, you know, so if, if the journey is good and the suffering that's part of the journey leads to my transformation, does that mean God wanted me to suffer? Um, or that it was good that suffering was, like, is that morally good that God wanted me to go through that to make me a better person? Like, I, it, I, I'd be curious to hear some of your thoughts about some of that. <sighs> Okay, so the two questions. I'm going to start with the second question first because you said it last and it's in my head okay. first. <laughs> We're going to go backwards. I should just do what I think. Time. What I think about that, you know, I think does God want me to suffer? Um, I my my answer to that would be no. I don't think God's desire is for any of His creation to suffer. I believe His His desire is for us to flourish, and that His attention or His intention from the beginning in creation was to um, experience and create a flourishing creation um, that was mutually inclusive, that uh, depended, you know, even in in the nature of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's this mutual emptying that happens that each is dependent upon the other to empty themselves for the sake of the other, you know, so that I, I need you and you need me, that we have this, this connected relationship and that's where flourishing lives. But I, I think the reality is that we don't live in that world, obviously. We live in a world that's broken from that. So does God yeah, want me to suffer? No. Does, did God want creation not to flourish? No, I don't believe that. I think, um, but can, can God use what's currently going on in our world and in our lives individually to move us towards flourishing? I think, yes. I think there's a difference between 
God's intention and what God intends to use. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, does God put suffering in my life? No. Do I put suffering in my own life? Yeah. <laughs> does the world do create opportunity for me to suffer? And, and let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the word suffering. I, I don't mean just like somebody standing over me and like, you know, putting me in a stretchy machine and pulling my arms and legs out of socket kind of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I just mean life, like hardship and struggle and you know it kind of makes me think of uh sports growing up i'm an athlete i love to play sports and but part of sports was you know it wasn't just the fun of friday night uh, at the game and you know all the fun that goes into that it was all the work you know the two days and puking my guts out on the football field and lifting weights and you know learning plays and all, all that stuff if you asked me if i if that was fun i'd probably say no It's the reason I I didn't play football all the way through high school because I wanted to play golf because it was less work. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know, there's other. I have a quote floating in my head. I can't quite grab it. There's nothing worth doing in life unless it's it requires something of us. And I think that's that. Back to that investment thing we talked about. You know, a lot of times we just want the easy button. We want the achievement or we want the destination without the work required to get there. But nothing in life is free or easy for that matter. That's worth having. I I don't think. And in my my with my kids, we have the Gibson family rules, and that's one of them. That nothing is free. You know, mm-hmm. and don't let anybody tell you it is. And it's not worth having if it is. You know, because mm-hmm. there's something about. And back to your question, does God intend for me to suffer? No. Can God use the tension and turmoil of life? And frankly, as a follower of Jesus from a Christian worldview, I believe the world isn't flourishing and isn't the way God intends, but he is moving it towards that reality through my life and through the life of the church and ultimately through Jesus and what he did in the world. But we still live in a state of brokenness and that creates opportunities for suffering and tension and hardship. And one of the great gifts of God, and I think one of the mysteries of faith, is that God doesn't intend it, but he, he uses it to form and shape me and to lead me to flourishing. And I think that's beautiful. Because whether you believe it or not, you're going to face suffering in life. And I, don't, I don't care who you are or what you believe about God or faith. Every human, if you're, if you're a human being on the world, <laughs> you are facing suffering and hardship in many different ways. So that reality is just true. And I think if we can, if we can find our way to a perspective that that isn't being done to us by any divine being, but instead this beautiful act of God to say, I'm not going to let all that pain and hardship and toil go to waste. I'm actually going to use it for good. And it says in scripture that God works for the good of those who love him. He's going to, he's going to use all of the things in us to work for our good, you know, Um, and I think that's, that to me is a beautiful thing. If we can see God is not intending to inflict pain, but instead intending to use the pain and suffering we experience to move us towards flourishing. I believe that's what Jesus proclaims about who he is and who God is ultimately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's question number one. I don't know if you had any rebuttals or responses to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I've, I've wrestled with it when I've, you know, heard, you know, different ways of approaching suffering, right? You know, like, um, you know, if somebody says, you know, I had, you know, like maybe there was a miscarriage or something and, you know, there's there's comfort in knowing that God, you know, I, this is all part of God's plan. And I, I struggle with that. Um, so, I, like, what, what does that mean? You know, like, 
I think there's value and comfort that somebody experiences knowing that God's got this no matter what. God's in my suffering and with me and will help me through this and good will come out of this. But if it means that God, like that was part of his plan for a baby to die, um, I, I, I can't go with that. Um, and so that, that's where I was wrestling as, as I heard that part, like that, that God is in the journey and uses the journey. There, there's a distinction between intense suffering and joins us in suffering. And I think that's the message of the incarnation of Jesus, which is, you know, I, uh, I, I, I know that this is broken and that um, there's, there's pain and injustice and I'm going to enter into it and join it and take it upon myself. And that's actually the way. That's also the way for you is to enter into your each other's suffering and to bear it up with each other and to join up. And, and personally for me and some of my, uh, you know, my own experiences of suffering um, and difficulty and hardship, what's been most beautiful in those moments, yes, it's been my own personal growth, but a big part of it has been witnessing other people showing up for me. Um, in ways that I didn't expect or from people that I didn't expect. And to be honest, there were periods of time where there wasn't anybody showing up and there's darkness and there's pain and there's hopelessness in that space. But when people do show up and when we do join in with each other, you using the word beautiful, like it is beautiful when we can do this. Um, and I think one of the thing, uh, something that concerns me a lot about contemporary ways of communicating with each other and approaching each other is increasingly we're viewing our neighbors, people around us in terms of you're either a bad person or a good person. You're either on my team or on the bad team. Um, and we're forgetting that that we're all like we all share in what you said, which is we all are going to suffer and experience hardship. And like, if the, uh, the, the better way is to say, Oh, that's, that connects me to you. Therefore, uh, I would want you to help me. So I'm going to reach out and help you, even if I think something different than you or, um, whatever it might be, um, that the way is to join with each other. That's, that's much more beautiful. Flourishing is a good word for it. Like we, we can flourish in the midst of the pain, uh, when that happens, but we can suffer and, uh, great harm can be done when we're not doing that. And I think it brings us back to that quote, you know, and again, I, I just want to reiterate just as a pastor too, for you as a listener, I, and there's lots of viewpoints out there, but I, I believe with all of my heart that God does not intend suffering, you know, that God cringes at the brokenness and suffering of his, of his world and his creation and, and ultimately you and I, um, but that again, the, the most beautiful act of God and the most loving act of God, I believe is to enter in and say, I'm going to take what what evil or Satan or whatever you want to uh, say it is, I'm going to take what he intended for evil. I'm going to use for good. And that uh, for me, that's everything. Um, and it really speaks to the, um, the truth of the heart of love that explodes out of Jesus is that God again, didn't, didn't intend or inflict suffering, but he intends to use it for his purposes and to move creation into suffering. And I think we see that even through Jesus on the cross and entering into death, you know, it was the ultimate tool of evil and the, the end result of brokenness in the world is, is death. It's the, it's a finality. It says, I'm going to take 
all that God intended for good, eternal life, and I'm going to sever it and, and end it. And yet Jesus entered that very place of death, and he didn't just defeat death. You know, the Bible talks about God having the victory over death, but his victory was so complete that he actually took the tool of evil, the thing that was was uh, severing the intention of God for, for flourishing to happen forever, and, and God entered in and said, I'm going to wrestle death itself away from the hands of the enemy, and I'm going to transform it into a place where life bursts forth. And we have these mm. scriptures that say, hey, in order to live, you got to come die. You know, And we have that even in the rhythms of nature and creation, that dead things that go back, dust returns to the ground, becomes fertilizer for the soil, and new life springs forth. You know, And I can't tell you how many places where my life has been broken down or, I, or because of suffering and trial and struggle. And it speaks again to that perspective. You know, if I see the journey as the point rather than so obsessed with destination, I can see the value of my development in the midst of the journey. And instead of mm-hmm. fighting my way away from suffering or pain or struggle or hardship or toil, whatever it is, I can change my perspective and see those moments as opportunities to grow as opportunities to see others, like you said, show up in my life and be more connected to others. And as opportunities for me to look around in my life and say, you know, who's suffering around me? How can I show up for them and show them that they're not alone and we can face this together and grow together in the midst of it? We see it as an, man, isn't that cool? What if you as a listener today, in your deepest place of brokenness, and you're in those those, like dark areas in your soul where you won't even you, you, let alone exposing them to the light, you won't even whisper them in the dark to your closest friends. I'm talking about those deep, dark places. What if instead of hiding from those, you could instead face them and see them as opportunities to become a better, more whole person? To me, that is life-changing. To not mm-hmm. see like see my brokenness as defining, but instead as an opportunity to, to be whole, and going through the hard work and, and instead of being afraid of it, leaning into it and saying, okay, I'm going to do the hard work of facing this thing because I know that in the facing of it, in the going through it with others and with God, that I could be better. And uh, to me, I think yeah. that is just ama- an amazing message yeah. of hope. It is hopeful. And I was even thinking a lot of times on the course of the journey, we realized that the destination that we thought was the right destination was actually not right. Um, we were we were mistaken. It, it makes me think of uh, Chesterton's fence uh, from G.K. Chesterton. This idea that you know when you come across a fence that's in your way, and somebody else put it there, you would be wise to first ask yourself why might they have put it there before you take it down, right? <laughs> so it might be protecting you from something that you don't foresee, right? And like acknowledging with humility that um, I might not effectively clearly see my destination. Uh, The destination I see might not actually be as good for me as I think something like that. So I think that's really relevant. And the other thought I had was actually, I I thought of the, um, a trip I took um, uh, this summer uh, to um, uh, the Pacific Northwest and went to Olympic National Park and also the Redwoods uh, National Park and uh, several others. But those specifically, um, they they have an ecosystem and uh, th- that's that's very unique. Um, the Redwoods especially where, where be- because of where they're situated, um, the nutrients available to them, but also because of the impact of fire, 
th- there's something about having what they need, but also having hardship that has created a, um, it has resulted in an organism that is massive, you know, lives like 1500 years, right? Like is resulted in this massive, I mean, you stand under these trees and they're, you know, they're wider than six of me. And, you know, like they're, they're incredible, you know, hundreds of feet high, rooted deep, incredibly strong, but that's formed not just through getting what it needs, but also through a deficit and and destruction from fire, things like that, um, and and adaptation in response to that. And I've, that, like, I like how you said that before. You know, these types of things are, you know, they're a part of the story, not just of human story, not just of religious story in our history, but also like the creation around us speaks to this same truth that yes, the destination matters but the journey and how you get there really matters. And you might find that along the way of the journey, you discover something that's even more important to you, um, even more meaningful and valuable to you. But make no mistake, on that journey, you will find trouble. Like it will be difficult. Um, and I I would also speak this to you as a listener that um, when w- oftentimes people will be, it's usually out of a desire to care and to show some sort of caring. We struggle with not being able to solve unsolvable problems as humans. And so we'll say things like, oh, you know, it's going to get better. Or, you know, oh, just focus on what you're grateful for because, it, you know, it, it's okay. It can't be that bad. It's like, no, sometimes it really is that bad. And yes, I'm grateful, but also this is really bad and it's dark and it's tough and it's painful. And that that's true. That's a part of the journey. I think when I was, my question earlier that I can just answer is that, you know, several hundred years of the people of Israel, their transformation as a people included slavery, um, you know, being forced to make bricks out of straw, um, you know, for the building of Egypt, right? Like that was a part of their journey of transformation. And so it is, it is, as we talk about the beauty of it and what it does for us, it is also very difficult and that's why I give the admonition that that we need to realize that that's how it is, and we need to take responsibility for each other, our own, like that we need help, but also that we need to be a person that can join in somebody else's journey and go with them, uh, carry with them, uplift them, uh, because it just because the journey really is where transformation is, it also means that's where transformation is. And if you've ever undergone transformation, it's painful. It's difficult. It's hard. The Israelites, yeah, they had the great, and then God entered in. It's the great news. I'm going to set you free from all this slavery, and you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> Come on, follow me. It'll be great, you know. Uh, but again, it just speaks to this point. I think, and God was trying to show them. And humans always get stuck on this. They were all obsessed about the promised land, you know, about the the physical destination. When they missed that, the promise really was about relationship with God. God said, I will, I will be your God. You will be my people and I'll provide everything that you need. And I will be your strength and I will be your source of sustenance and I will be your provision of water and moment by moment. And God was, you know, he got frustrated with that whole generation of Israelites because they consistently missed the point. It wasn't about the destination. The promise was about reunification with God with, and with his people, not some land that they would own and rule and control. Um, and I think God is always trying to teach us that, you know, and we find it 
again, if we, all the way back to where we kind of started, we find it with this perspective that we read in the in the book from the Way of Kings, that the 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 measure of who we are when discovering the work is not in the achievement, but it's in the method. And if we can change our perspective, if you could change your perspective today, that whatever you're facing that's hard, your first reaction is to get out of it and fix it and get somewhere else. What if? you know, the best thing for you and the pathway to your, your wholest self really was to instead turn towards it and see what you could learn there and see how you could grow there and see who you could see there, God and others. I think right. that's, uh, that was been right. a pretty right. freaking it, well, awesome me, yeah. conversation, Robbo. Let, let me add one more thing to that just as a practical matter. Um, it makes me think of psychotherapy where, yes, good psychotherapy, I've talked about this before, will teach you skills and help you with things. Um, but good psychotherapy will have its target in not helping you change your destination. Um, a psychoanalyst uh, out of Denver here locally, um, Jonathan Shedler, um, uh, I saw a bit that he was speaking about on, on Twitter uh, over the last several weeks. He was talking exactly about this, and it's right on. Good psychotherapy won't result in the transformation of something out there, like a new job or a changed relationship. It might but the target of good psychotherapy is about your own transformation that then would potentially bear fruit in something out there. But good good therapy, good spiritual formation, whatever it might be, at its heart is about what what can what can I pursue in the transformation of me? What you were just talking about, what can I turn towards for me? that can result in my own transformation that could then go out there and influence the world around me. Um, that's good therapy. That's good formation. Um, and so I wanted to give some practical advice. That's what to look for. That's what to set your targets in good therapy is not, I want therapy to help me get a job. It's yes, I hope I have a job or I hope this relationship improves. Good therapy will help me transform. And then fruit can be born out of that. Yes. 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 Good stuff, <laughs> man. I, I can't believe we, where stuff. we where we got from uh, "Way of the Kings" quote <laughs> or it's "Way just, of Kings." I just misquoted. Well, that's sorry, yeah, Brandon. That's, way of that's kings. what that's what makes fantastic literature is it's just yeah. deep and rich. So I we highly recommend you check out check Read out his it. stuff. Also, listen to us. You know, check us out. Listen to our previous episodes. Like, subscribe share. We appreciate your involvement. We still would love to hear from you as far as topics of interest. I was actually a, a listener um, uh, that I actually know of. Uh, I was just talking to him uh, the other day after I was teaching at, uh, at the seminary near here. And I was like, dude, it's it's so good to have you involved. Would love to hear from you, man. What do you think we should talk about? So we had some conversation. Cool. But uh, would love to hear from any of you. Uh, yeah. You too, Brandon. If you're out there listening, we'd love to have you on the show. Brandon Samson, <laughs> if you're listening I'm right sure, now, or I'm someday sure in the future, you'll come back and be like, oh man, this staring into the sun, guys, I got a, well, so it's an open invitation, uh, Mr. Yep. Sanderson, we would love yep. to talk with you uh, now or, you know, in 10 years when we're famous. And to mine the depths You'll want to be on our show. That's yes, right. Mark it. the day. <laughs> so in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to, to talk with you, John, and for those of you listeners who joined us. And I hope you'll come back and join us as we continue this endeavor. We continue staring into the sun. Grace and peace. The way we find ourselves is
Sun.